Welcome to the Littlestown Chapel Podcast. Make sure to check us out on the web at littlestownchapel.org. Now, we hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Joshua Stratton. Well, good morning again. I just wanted to highlight uh, also, um, as Scott already said, uh, Jesse, I talked to her yesterday and and, uh, she wanted to say just a special thank you to everybody who has been thinking and and praying and uh, uh, she is doing really good. The surgery went even better than what was expected and um, and she was in really good spirits yesterday when I had talked to her in a little bit of pain, but uh, God is definitely helping her in managing that. And uh, so just continue to pray for her and her recovery and that this is it. Uh, this is the end of her cancer journey. That's what we're praying for, uh, for Jesse. Um, so uh, thank you again for praying for her. So we are um, going to be talking a little bit about leadership today. We are um, ending our series this week called Building Tomorrow Today. And really what we've been doing is talking about the how we're going to accomplish our vision. Pastor Scott, um, a a little bit ago, fleshed out what our vision is, that we are going to be reaching our community and a new level and, and, and really trying to uh, transform our community and investing in what we hope is really 1% of our area, 1,030, 1030 by 2030. And we want to see um, this church become a beacon of light, truly affecting our community for the name of Jesus Christ, changing eternity for souls, creating community um, in, inside of the church, replicating ourselves. This is our vision 2020. So um, <clears throat> we talked about um, really what we were doing. And then uh, in this series, we've been talking about how we're going to be doing that, how we are building tomorrow. And the first day we talked about, we do that by investing in our children. Because the work really is happening, transformation in our community is really happening when we are training and caring and developing our kids. Because transformation is a generational thing. Transformation is a generational thing. And then last week we talked about, we talked about if we really want to see change in our world, change in our community, if you want to accomplish our vision, it takes our resources, it takes our finances. And we're just scratching the surface of our potential right now. What could we be if we saw everything that we had and we were able to give it over to the Lord and utilize it for his kingdom? Today, we're going to take the next step. And I believe one of the things that we need is good leadership. If we're going to build tomorrow, if we're going to accomplish our vision as a church, it takes good leadership. Can you think back to uh, maybe you're growing up or uh, somebody in your life who had impacted you, a a leader? Maybe it was a a friend, a family member, a a teacher. 
uh, a boss, someone who just really uh, maybe transformed your life. Uh, first thing that comes to my mind is uh, a, a professor that I had in seminary, uh, Dr. McClowski. And for some reason, uh, this guy really believed in me. And uh, I remember the first uh, time I went into his class, um, <clears throat> I was really nervous. He was actually the one who oversaw my entire program. And he, uh, you know, I was late getting to class. You know, if you know me, that's, that's what I do. And uh, uh, there was no other seats uh, except for right in the front. And who wants to sit in the front at class, right? Because if you're sitting in the front, you know what that means? They're going to call on you, right? And so, well, I take my seat in the front and everything. And of course, you know, uh, midway through the class, uh, he calls on me. And again, if you know me, I have like the worst attention span I have ADD like crazy, and even though I'm, I'm, sta- I'm sitting there and I look like I'm paying attention, I had no idea what was going on, you know? I mean, this is just, it, it doesn't matter how hard I try to pay attention sometimes. And Vicky, our secretary here, says to me at least three or four times a week, I'm going to hold your face. Are you listening to me? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, I am, I am. Can you say that again now? <laughs> So sure enough, it's in the middle of the class, and he says, so Josh, what do you think about this? And, and I try to come up with something, and, and, I, and I'm thinking, you know, well, I know we were talking about hermeneutics, but I'm not sure because I really haven't been paying attention for a while. And then I just decided, you know what, I'm going to be honest. And I said, to be quite honest, I have no idea what we've been talking about. <laughs> I'm totally gone. And, you know, the whole class, of course, laughs and everything. And, and after class, he pulls me aside because he wants to make sure that I know that I belong here. And he says, hey, I just want you to know that you're going to be fine in this class. Just stick with it. And I'm like, okay, thanks, you know. And a couple weeks go by, and we do our first test, and I'm like nervous, you know, and and I I did study for it and everything, but here I am, you know, spending so much time in this, and the next thing I notice, I'm the only person still in the room taking a test. (laughs) And professor is sitting at his desk, and he keeps looking over at me, and finally he comes over at me, and he says, Josh, give me your test for a minute here. And he starts paging through, and he's like, you're doing good. You're going to be okay. And he takes a test and says, get out of my classroom. (laughs) And this is the kind of guy that he was. He wanted to make sure that, yeah, we were doing the work, but that that we understood what our capacity was. And he would try to make us feel like he wasn't just the teacher, but he was one coming alongside us. He would eat lunch with us all the time. And I always remember it was kind of weird because he would eat his dessert first, you know, pie or cake or whatever, and then, and then he'd eat his meal, you know. And one time I asked him, I said, I said uh, you know, Dr. McClowski, like, why, are you, why do you eat your pie first? And he said, well, the scripture is very clear. We do not know when the Lord is coming back. <laughs> and that, that's true. That is right, you know. <laughs> and... And that kind of relationship we had with him allowed him to invest in us at a different level. I remember one time uh, we had this little preaching uh, 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 assignment, and I got up in front of the class, and I did my thing, you know, and I felt like I knocked it out of the park, right? And he came up to me after after class, and I thought he was going to congratulate me, and he did. He said, you know, I just want to tell you, you know, you did really good. You knocked it out of the park. 
And, and you know what? I, I think communication is one of your greatest assets. And I said, thank you very much, you know. <laughs> and, and then he said, but here it comes, you know. It is also your greatest curse. Because what's going to happen is you're going to be so tempted to just shoot from the hip and not prepare in a way that you could actually do it at a really high level. Josh, I want you to do it again. I want you to do it again. And I walked out of there energized. And you know why? It's because I knew he wasn't trying to tear me down. I knew he was trying to make me a better me. I knew that he believed in me. You see, this is leadership that transforms. In all leadership relationships, and every single one of us here is a leader to some degree, in all of these relationships, there's some sort of transaction happening, right? I mean, a teacher to a, a student, you know, you do the work, he gives you the grade. But the real movement that happens, the real important thing happens, is when the, when the, the relationship goes from a transaction to transformation. That's real leadership. And that's the kind of leadership that I felt from this professor. A better me. A better pastor. A better disciple for Jesus Christ. You see what I'm saying here? To truly transform our community, to truly build tomorrow, we need good leadership. We've got to get serious about leadership. And when we do, man, could you imagine the things we could accomplish together? God is calling us to something bigger than ourselves. I am excited to be a part of this church. I'm excited to be a part of the vision that he's calling us to. And I know that many of you are as well. And today, I hope when we open up our hearts and really think and focus on what does it mean to be a good leader and what's that have to do with me? Friends, leadership matters. Turn your Bibles, if you will, to Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6. We're going to be reading there. It's on page 914 if you're using one of the Bibles here at church. 914. And um, <clears throat> the scripture reads like this. It says in Acts chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by, by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve, the apostles, summoned the full number of the disciples and said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit of wisdom, whom we will approve a point to this duty. Verse 4. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. 
And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of priests became obedient to the faith. Would you pray with me? Father God, I just want to I want to thank you for the reading of your word this morning. I want to thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to dig into it, Lord, that you would speak directly to us through your word, Father God, and I pray by your Holy Spirit, Lord, that you'd open up each and every one of our hearts today, Lord God. I know that I am inadequate, Lord. I pray that you would teach us by your spirit, Lord, each one of us, in each season of our lives, Lord God. Lord, you have something for us today. I pray that we would not leave here unchanged. And so we ask these things. In the name of Jesus, amen. Let's flesh this out a little bit here. Let me, let me give you a picture of what we're talking about. This is not a, a small little country church here. This is not, I think, what we might be thinking about as, as kind of a small ordeal here. You know, the church on its birthday, uh, we say that the day of Pentecost was the birthday of the church, and that's because some huge things changed. There was the sacrificial system was put to the side, and it was completed in the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, and on the day of Pentecost, after his ascension, the Lord Almighty sent himself, his spirit, to dwell, okay, to live inside of those who would put their faith in Jesus Christ. And when that happened, the church was born. And the church then became the temple of the Lord. That God no longer dwelled in a building, but in his people. And on that day, some really awesome thing happened with his disciples, with the apostles. There's this great pilgrimage that had happened. There was people coming from many different nations that celebrated Judaism. And they're here in this area, many of them speaking different languages and things like that. And, and uh, the, the apostles are standing there and they see this opportunity to share what has happened, to share what is going on. And the Spirit is speaking through them. And is, they, people are hearing what they're saying in their own language, you know. And, and, and people are grasping. We're talking not, not just a few people. We're talking thousands of people in the temple courts are grasping this. They're realizing that something crazy is happening. Maybe they're drunk. Maybe it's a miracle. But here what's going on. I'm hearing it. I'm hearing it in my own language. And it was cutting to their hearts and it impacted them, right? And they're hearing the fact that there's this Jesus and he has conquered sin and he has conquered death and the evidence was all around them and it moved them. And, and on, on that day when they were called to repentance, which means actually to turn from their old ways and turn to Jesus Christ, they put their faith in him and it said three 3,000 people put their faith in Jesus Christ that day. 3,000 people got baptized. Can you picture that? 
just the chaos of it all and all these people like coming up and talking to the disciples and the followers of Jesus and and trying to get that many people into the water and celebrating this day you imagine like waking up the night you're Peter you know waking up the next morning man what happened yesterday that was wild and then the reality the the organizational nightmare of thousands of people now looking for direction, looking for leadership. And so they start to organize and they start to, 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 to set up different leaders in different areas and people keep meeting. They're telling people, keep meeting, meeting in your homes, uh, uh, doing communion together. Let's get together in the temple courts and listen to the word of God. And people started seeing the needs in the church and they realized they needed to take care of one another and they needed to, to live out the love of Jesus Christ. And they started selling their possessions and, and, and selling property. And that money was then, then correct, collected and it would be uh, distributed to people who were in need whether it be orphans or marginalized people or widows thousands of people by chapter four it says there's about 5,000 people I think at this point we're talking about 10,000 people the movement of God was strong we're talking about thousands of people and of course we're talking about thousands of people. We're talking about different personalities and different cultures and different faces, right? Different races. And there's tension in the culture. It said that there was a tension here in the church between the Hellenists uh, and, the, and the, uh, um, the Hebrews. And they're basically saying like, like the Greek speakers, Okay, so people um, that maybe were proselytes or people who who weren't Jewish by birth, but had come into the faith. And and uh, some of them may have been Jews who were actually dispersed and didn't actually have a, a, a the Jewish culture and the the they didn't grow up in in Israel, but maybe they had pilgrim back in. I think on that day, uh, a lot of people on the day of Pentecost when the church was born, they had pilgrimage, they made the pilgrimage in and they decided to stay because of the transformation that was happening because they believed that something was greater for them. So they haven't even settled yet, right? So you can see that this would maybe cause some of the tensions in the church. There was, there was a uh, just naturally, because of the Jewish customs and the Hebrews and the, and the Hellenists, there was a, a tension between them. And that, unfortunately, got brought into the church. And the scripture tells us that, that, yeah, all those resources were being collected and everything, but some of them felt like they were being taken advantage of. They were being overlooked. They were being marginalized just because of their race or their nationality or the language that they spoke. Maybe they didn't quite fit. That's not Christian. That's not what I thought this was all about. And a grumbling started to happen. You ever been in a church where there's a grumbling? Where there's a dissension? You ever been a part of the community 
where people just aren't getting along, may that never happen here. May that never happen here. What we're seeing here is they were close to breaking up to a division, to a split, to a crumbling of what was being built. And the apostles are seeing this, they're hearing this, and they're taking it to heart, and they're ready. Let's take care of this. And you know what they do? They invest in real good leadership. To accomplish the vision, to sustain a movement, it takes good leadership. And the first thing they do is they recognize that they have to keep the main thing the main thing. They say we gotta get serious about preaching the word, the ministry of the word and prayer. We've gotta make room for that. They've been running around trying to take care of all these different needs, trying to manage all these different resources. Like I said, we're talking about thousands of people, people that are looking to them for leadership and they've been responsible for all these different things and you can imagine the weight on them. They don't have time for discipleship. They don't have time for prayer but they realize that great need. They gotta keep the main thing, the main thing. Aligning themselves to the truth of the gospel. Because what was the call anyway, right? What was the great commission? Go, make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so they're saying, we've got, to get, we've got to make sure that that's happening. We've got to make sure that we're able to, to study and preach. We've got to make sure that we're in that humble position and that we've got time for that. When they're talking about praying here, they're talking about, yes, praying over the church, praying over their, their resources, praying for things to happen. But really also they're talking about, we've got to be able to have time to put ourselves in the position of surrender. That's what prayer is. Lord, I need you. This is yours. I can't do this without you. That's what good leadership is. Good leadership is being led by God himself. We've got to keep the main thing, the main thing. This was their focus. And this is why the, the other leaders that they end up picking, they had to be full of the Holy Spirit. What's that mean? It means that they were, they were um, looking like Jesus, chasing after Jesus. They had the fruit all over them. They were, they were loving and joyful and they had patience and kindness and peace. They were serious about keeping the main thing, the main It is so easy to get distracted. It is so easy to get consumed by the work of the ministry. A lot of us here are volunteering. A lot of us here are trying to help our kids at school. A lot of us here are trying to keep food on the table. A lot of us here are doing a lot of different things. And sometimes we get so consumed with all the different responsibilities. Many of them are very, very good. But oftentimes it distracts us from keeping the main thing, the main thing. Let Jesus be front and center. It would be aligned to his word 
in the preaching of the gospel. And then the second thing they do, the second most important thing here that I want to I make sure we get is they decentralized their leadership. They decentralized their leadership. They had a lot of responsibilities. And, and you know, it's, it almost seems like a, a little thing that they, hey, we don't want to wait on tables. We got more important things to do. But this waiting on tables is bigger than that. In fact, it's probably not that, the, that like widows and people in need were, were sitting around a table uh, looking for something to eat and there was waiters coming by, you know, just putting things, food down or something like that. No, it's, it's more of, of, of uh, we're talking about like almost like a bank. And the tables represented the way they redistributed that money. We're talking about responsibility. We're talking about influence. We're talking about power. And the disciples, the apostles, they had to be ready and willing to let that go. To let other people do that ministry so that more ministry could happen. I could imagine them being so overwhelmed trying to take care of all these different things and then thinking back to the ministry of Jesus and realizing that Jesus himself said he took 72 people in Luke chapter 10 and sent them out. Go and do the ministry. Go and preach. Go and show. Go and do the things that I am doing. Because to really make a movement, to really impact our world for the kingdom of God, it means raising up new leaders. There's a book by uh, Kara Powell called Growing Young. And in this book, uh, she's a fuller theological seminary person. And in this book, she does this research of all these different churches that have been very successful in our country. Churches that are growing. They're growing in number. They're growing in faith. They're growing with young people. They're, they're, they're the churches that they would suggest are, are healthy churches. And they took all this data and they put it all together and they tried to find similarities. And you know what the one similarity was? that in churches that were growing, churches that were impacting their community, they were handing over responsibilities to more people. Leadership was being decentralized and sent out to other people in the congregation. She calls it keychain leadership. Keychain leadership. You, you can remember probably the first time you were handed the keys to something, right? Maybe you were handed the keys to the car, right? I remember the first time I was handed the keys uh, to the car. And, uh, you know, my dad let me have his uh, pickup truck. And, uh, you know, and I did what every good Christian does at that point. I fired it up and I picked up my friend and I drove him to church. That's right. And we did donuts in the parking lot. <laughs> because it was the one big area where I could test it out, right, you know? And man, you know, my little pickup truck, there's no weight in the back. You could get some pretty good donuts going, right? And so we do some donuts and everything, and I peel out of here. And would you know, just maybe about an hour later, I get this phone call. <clears throat> it was the youth pastor. And I didn't realize that he was there. 
Who knew that pastors work more than one day a week? <laughs> right? And, and he says, hey, I think your spare tire's here in the parking lot. <laughs> I said, you got to be kidding me. Are you sure? How do you know it's mine? Oh, I saw you. I saw it fly out. <laughs> well, that, that guy believed in me so much. I don't even know why. <laughs> but he handed me the keys to something greater. He handed me the keys to the church. He invested in me. He believed in me. And, and he pulled me aside and said, I want you to do this little leadership training thing with me. And then he said, you know, I want you to help me lead one of the Bible studies we're doing here. I want you to go on this missions trip with me. I want you, I want you to lead our, our, our music program here. And, and I have to be honest, like I made a lot of mistakes, <laughs> right? Uh, I mean, uh, I actually got fired from the music program because we only knew three songs. But he, the keys that he gave me, it was like it became mine. I had ownership of what we were doing here. It transformed the way I saw things, okay? It, it made me feel like God was actually working in me. You hear a lot about God. You could sit here and listen to me preach all day long. But when you're handed the keys, and you start to see God work in you, and you start to feel the ownership, and you start to see some of the things happen around you, you start to experience God at a different level. We have got to get the keys into as many people's hands as possible. It's about decentralizing leadership. It's about making the possibility happen. It's about people actually finding their ownership and finding their place and investing into the kingdom of God at a high level. This is what's going to transform our community. This is what's going to awaken our hearts for our purpose and our mission. God has uniquely designed you. He has said to you, and he has reached down and said, I want you to be a disciple maker. I want you to be a leader. And I've got specific things for you to do. Friends, it is our responsibility to get the keys into as many hands as, po as possible. Decentralization matters. What a sad, sorry sick church that hires three or four people to do all the work for them and you think I'm going to come and I'm going to do church and it's going to happen for me when you've missed it the power is actually in your hands you are the disciple maker you are the plan of God to transform this world you need to be empowered and set loose. Man, if I wouldn't have got the keys, if I wouldn't have gotten those responsibilities, I would have missed out. I would have missed out on my calling, what I was made for. May we never hold people back. Leadership matters. Leadership 
matters. Leadership matters. And giving people the ability to lead, handing the responsibility over them is so important. And that's what they do here. They realize, yes, we had the power, we had the influence. Yes, it's cool being able to take care of everybody's needs, but we can't. They even tell everybody, right? They bring the whole group together. I imagine somewhere in the temple courts or something, they have this giant meeting and they talk to the other people and the, you know, a thousand people, right? Thousands of people. And they're saying to them, look, we realize there's a huge problem. There should not be a split. We need to take care of these needs. We can't do it. We've got to focus on what is the main thing. And so I want you, I want you, I'm not going to pick it. I don't know the problem like you know the problem. I'm empowering you. You pick the leaders among you, the people who have good rapport, the people who are already doing the ministry around you, and I want you to send them to me and we will empower them. And notice the names. You probably don't realize this, but every single one of those names were Greek names. Greek names. The ones who were closest to the problem we're given the authority to fix the problem. They saw the problem and they were given the authority to become the solution to the problem. This is decentralization. They didn't need, they didn't need all of the credit. They didn't need all of the thank you. They could hand it off to godly men ready to serve. Friends, leadership matters. Read verse 7 with me. Look what it says in verse 7. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of priests became obedient to the faith. This is a very strategic verse What Luke is telling you here is because they got serious about the main thing and they kept that in front of everybody and because they decentralized leadership and empowered people and gave them authority to help lead the church, the church continued to grow and increase in huge amounts and priests became believers in Jesus Christ. You know who a priest was? A priest in those days, they were the ones who basically were like uh, uh, the pastors, if you will, or, or the people who, had, who were in charge of, of all the different religious uh, actions and things and the sacrificial system and stuff like that. It was a birthright. They were born into it. It was their identity. If they were to put their faith in Jesus Christ, there would be no need for them anymore. Because like I said before, the sacrificial system was completed because Jesus, his blood, his offering was greater than any sacrifice. It was complete. Our sin is no more as far as the east is from the west. In Jesus Christ, it is forgiven. Talk about hope for the hopeless. There is no more need for any kind of payment 
The wrath of God is satisfied. The sickness of the human condition is done away with. And Jesus Christ not only died to pay it, but proved it in conquering debt as he raised from the grave. There is no more a need for this, this priestly system where the priest is there showing the distance between God and man. God still wants a relationship with his people, so he set up the priest that they could, they could take the sacrifices and offer them to God and there still be some type of relationship between them. But on the day that Jesus died, the temple curtain was torn And we got a new high priest. Complete forgiveness of sins. And Jesus became the high priest. And our way to God, our way back into relationship with him was through Jesus and Jesus alone. And when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, that relationship was restored. And he actually comes into your life and his spirit dwells in you and you become the priest. The New Testament is very clear. There's no big priest hierarchy. You are the priest. You are the presence of God to this world. You're the face of God to the people in your office, to the people in your neighborhood, to your family, to your friends. Because he lives in you and he wants to shine through you. Imagine you being the old Jewish priest hearing the gospel and it convinces you, you've got to let go of everything. You've got to let go of your livelihood. You've got to let go of your status. You've got to let go of your birthright. Talk about a people who you would think were the hardest people to reach. And Luke is telling us, when you get leadership right, you will reach the unreachable. It doesn't just say one person came to know Jesus Christ who was a priest. It said a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith of Jesus Christ. Wow, the potential of the church when they get serious about the main thing, when they see themselves as leaders, when they decentralize their leadership and they pass the keys off to more people. What potential is in this room? The thing that maybe gets me the most excited about this story is that all seven of those men said yes they took the opportunity. They took the opportunity. What is holding you back from the capacity of leadership in your life? What is holding you back? There's so many opportunities for you to make disciples for Christ, to lead. We need new small group leaders, growth group leaders here at church. We need new leaders in our children's ministry. We need leaders in, in, in our, our student ministries. We're just, we're dreaming up things. We want to replicate ourselves. 
We've got to put ourselves in a position ready to say yes. It's a mind thing. There's got to be a renewal of your mind. The mind can play tricks on us. I have this fun little illustration I'm going to show you. Can you put that picture up quick? Look at this picture. I saw this on National Geographic. I'm a National Geographic obsessive, obsessive guy. To me, that looks like two different shades of gray. Does that look like two different shades of gray for you? It's darker on top, it's lighter on the bottom. What if I was to tell you that that's actually the same color? It's the same color, but because the artist put a little shadow in the middle, our mind automatically interprets it as a different shade. I took a black rectangle and stuck it over that shadow. Look at this now. Animators can make basketballs look like they're bouncing simply by moving a shadow on the, uh, 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 beneath it. Because your mind is already, it's, it's, it, it knows shadows. It, 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 it's trained itself to, to see them and, and, and understand the way things are probably moving and looking because of the shadow. But truly, it's all the same color. This is all the same color. Go back to the first picture. Your mind just plays a trick on you. And this is the same way I think sometimes with what God is calling you to. We wrestle with sin in our lives. We get consumed with, with where we are right now and we can't see past it. We put ourselves in these boxes. And I wonder if we're not actually trusting in Jesus Christ and what he might have for us in our leadership capacity. You know, when I, 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 um, before I had kids, I thought I was so busy. I thought I was at my capacity. Many of you uh, parents can understand what I'm talking about here, right? You, there's no way I could probably add something to my schedule. If you would tell me what I'm doing today, <laughs> if you would have told me I was capable of doing that, you know, five years ago, I would say, you're crazy. But I could only, my mind had trained myself, but these are my limits. This is what I'm capable of doing. I'm doing double that now. I'm a little crazy because of it, but I'm doing double that now, right? The Bible says, do not lean on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't get consumed with the patterns of the world and with the boxes the world tries to put you in. Renew your mind with the gospel. You have been filled with the spirit of God. You are his witnesses. You are disciple makers. You are someone who has the capacity for leadership. It's time for us, just like those seven, to say yes. It's time for us to look outside of ourselves and at least try and reach for what God might be calling us to because it is that important. We are the plan for this world. We are plan A and there is no plan B. What is your capacity for leadership? Where do you need to stretch yourself? How can you be a disciple maker? Would you pray with me? Father God, I thank you so much for your word this morning. Lord, I pray that, uh, Lord, I pray that you would ache on our hearts. Father God, um, how can we trust you more, Lord? 
How can we hand people the keys in our midst? Not just young people, but in every season of our lives, Lord God. Some of us here are young and we feel like we're too young. Some of us here are old and we feel like we're too old. And the reality is, is that in every season of life, you called us to something great. To be real disciple makers, you've got something for each one of us here, Lord God. Would you help us, Lord? Would you help us to accomplish our vision? Would you help us to say yes when the opportunity comes across our door, Lord God? And Father God, may you help us not just to accomplish our vision, but even maybe do greater than we could even dream up. And so I give this over to you, and each one of us says these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.